Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, we're going to try to get through our podcast one hour without some big, huge breaking news happening that by the time it's posted, our podcast is already like outdated. I know. Crazy. I feel like that happens because there's just so much always happening. I know. I've got Twitter open just to see, keep one eye <laughs> on or X or whatever um, yes, to keep an X eye. Slash Twitter. Um, okay, so I'm going through uh, our 80s nostalgia. Nothing really exciting happened in the 80s this week. I don't know why. That's I'm strange. Trying to, I'm trying to think of Anything something. Anything good on the charts? Um, let's see. AHA released their hit single, Take On Me, in 1984. That's important. That video mm-hmm. was like a huge deal. Remember the video? Right. was the, car- the cartoon, like the drawing? Yeah, that was that was cool. All right, I'll give you that. That was kind of a thing. Feel a little better now. All right. Um, the girl is mine. That was released in 1982. Okay. So, Michael Jackson, right? So Thriller was still on the top of the charts. That's what that means. Of course, you flunked the last Thriller um, <laughs> challenge, so you probably don't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah, that's I don't know. I don't know. Oh, so, Billy Joel album with We Didn't Start the Fire was released. There's an update to that. I haven't heard it. Have you? No. And I have to tell you, I'm about to say something that is uh-huh. not like accepted generally uh-huh. in society, which is, uh oh, I just don't care so much for Billy Joel. I don't hate him. I just, I just don't love him. So I'm going to confess that right now. So you can bring the hate on to me on Twitter, but X. Um, are you a Ju- Billy Joel fan, okay. Julie? Um, here and there. You know, I've right. seen him in concert. He's entertaining. Um, you know, we've got a few family songs that we consider, you know, sort of themes. But um, I know my daughter really likes, Victoria really likes Billy Joel. It's kind of funny. That's interesting. I guess these young kids are like going back to when there was real music since there isn't real music anymore to listen to like, I saw someone sent me a TikTok video of these kids. They must've been in like third or fourth grade and they were singing tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. (laughs) And I have to tell you, I've never been more proud. You know, I mean, they actually liked the song and they were like, they knew the words. And I feel like, you know, that's you got to go back to the good day, the good old days to get the good music. You do. So. I mean, both my girls love 80s music. You know, they were raised on it because that's what like my car was the one place I had control over what we were going to listen to, like at home or anywhere else. OK, they had their videos. You know, they didn't have phones, obviously, but Wiggles videos, whatever Hannah Montana they were into. OK, fine. But in the car, I was like, no. You're listening to mommy's 80s hair metal. They've got to get, they've got to get the culture somewhere, Julie. And you gave it to them in the car. You know what I mean? They, they had to get it. Um, I have this image of you in a car with the two little girls, like, and and on the radio is Warrant singing cherry pie. Is that right? Like that, did that ever happen? Here's a real story (laughs) that is hilarious, that um, is a little bit, well, I'm just going to tell it. 
So one of my favorite 80s bands is Whitesnake. So I would listen to it in the car, not thinking anything about the vulgar lyrics involved until Victoria, she's probably three, in the backseat in her car seat, and she starts singing along word by word, knows every single word of slide it in to Whites. <laughs> and I was like, okay, perhaps this is the time for me to readjust at least some of our listening choices in the car. You know, there are a lot of songs that we heard in the 80s that we didn't know what they meant, but we sang them. But now that we're older, we know that there's like a double meaning to them. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of some. um, I've seen videos of people listening to songs talking about how it hits different when you're an adult because you used to sing it as a kid and you just didn't realize what you were actually saying. Um. So I'm glad you stopped that way. Yeah, it takes on a whole new meaning hearing yeah. a three-year-old sing, slide it in. Like, okay. That's pretty funny. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a great, that's life. a great 80s nostalgia. <laughs> Good mom. Us. More mom of the year moments here at happy hour. Julie Kelly. Def- definitely. So just white snake, but without the kids in the car. <laughs> that's right. Always. Now I can all right. So is there, it seems like it's slow, not a lot of news. <laughs> no, week, right. Nothing. Again, let's just hurry up and get through our hour before we, uh, something, something else happens. Happen. Well, as you know, I was in Washington this week, uh, got home Wednesday night, missed you, unfortunately. I know. It's always the highlight of my trip, but it was not in the cards this time. I did attend the proposed gag order hearing in Judge Tanya Chutkin's courtroom on Monday morning. And I will tell you, that was a surreal experience, Liz. The crux here is that special counsel Jack Smith, you know, these hard-nosed prosecutors, Liz, they are tough as nails, right? But, oh, my God, he, Donald Trump called me a thug on Truth Social. I want him to stop. So oh, no. he's asked for a, he asked for a gag order on Donald Trump. Uh, preceding his March 2024 trial, the proposed gag order, despite his description of the gag order as narrowly tailored, was nothing of the sort. It applied to Trump, his lawyers, and what Jack Smith called surrogates, which could be anyone, campaign spokesman, a member of his family, a supportive campaign. Probably uh, anybody. It could be like a supporter who just tweets something nasty about the judge. Right. It could be me and you. I mean, it who who would be considered a surrogate? Anyone yeah. who Jack Smith thinks it is. Um, and the proposed gag order would have banned Donald Trump from talking about Jack Smith himself or anyone on his team. Uh, he would not have been able to make critical statements about Washington, D.C. or D.C. residents or <laughs> the potential of a biased jury pool. Um, what else was he not able to talk what about? What a joke. Yes. So the the biggest joke is, and and we'll talk about her what she filed in her paper order, but listening for during this two-hour hearing, Liz, listening to an assistant attorney, U.S. attorney Molly Gaston, last seen declining to prosecute Andrew McCabe for lying to the FBI under oath three times. She was one of the prosecutors in the U.S. Attorney's Office for D.C. who refused to prosecute Andrew McCabe based on the criminal referral from DOJ inspector general. 
Anyway, listening to her, an unelected no-name bureaucrat, and Judge Tanya Chutkin, who was born in Jamaica, came to the United States as an adult, and now is dictating what a former president and prospective presidential candidate can and cannot say. Listening to the two of them talk about whether Donald Trump can use the term crooked Joe Biden during the as this proposed gag order would be in effect. That is how crazy. insane this hearing got. That's crazy. Um, so <clears throat> what is the appeals like? Can they appeal this? I mean, this seems so ridiculous. Are, and have they started an, an appeal process? Yes. So she did hand down her final order. It does. Um, she didn't permit some of what Jack Smith wanted, which was critical comments about the Department of Justice and Biden administration in general or D.C. residents. But it does apply, as I said, to Jack Smith and then what she calls others. So when he's asking for surrogates, she uses the word others. So the gag order applies to Donald Trump, his lawyers or or if he's directing others to make these public statements, not even critical now. So the government was basically asking for comments that are false, derogatory, inflammatory, which would be up to her interpretation. But her gag order was any public statement. So he can't say anything about Jack Smith, except maybe Jack Smith is a handsome, a handsome man. Um, so, yes, they've already filed the day after. So this was Monday. She filed her um, official paper order on the docket on Tuesday, and then his attorneys filed a notice of appeal, uh, I believe it was late Tuesday or Wednesday. So this will be appealed. I assume it's going to hopefully be fast-tracked because, you know, every day. And, you know, Liz, this is a big part of his campaign. Oh, it also applies to prospective witnesses. Here's the other rub. So not only others or surrogates who could be anyone, but reasonably um, – anticipated prospective witnesses in the trial. This also hmm. applies to Donald Trump can't make public statements about Bill Barr, can't make public statements about General Milley, can't make public statements about the case to Vice President about Vice President Mike Pence, who is making his allegedly heroic actions on January 6th the cornerstone of his campaign against Donald Trump. So Trump can't talk about basically it applies to not just the surrogates, as I said, anyone involved in fighting the 2020 election results. Anybody. Georgia Governor um, Brian Kemp, he can't say anything about him. These election officials in various states can't say anything about them. That's, that's how I, I just I just don't see how that's possibly legal. Like, I, I just I, I mean, of course. I know that there are new rules post-Trump, you know, in the Trump era, we changed all the rules that we've all thought we were operating yep. under. I just cannot imagine that that the, any gag order would would have would hold up to any legal scrutiny. I mean, I bet this goes to the Supreme Court because I don't have a lot of faith in the appeals, the D.C. appeals court either. So. No. I think it's going to go to the Supreme Court. And it's just ridiculous to have some kind of prior restraint on, quote, others. What is others? I mean, a legal document, they're very specific. 
because again, it's a law and it, you know, we, it, you have to have clear and distinct criteria for violating it. So just saying other people can't disparage the DOJ or the DC judges or Chutkin or this clown car of, of operators is outrageous. It, it is. And I'll tell you, Liz, um, Judge Chutkin really likes to hear herself talk and to hear herself write. Her motions are pretty lengthy. I was shocked that a ground, a, this is unprecedented, right? There's never been this sort of a gag order um, against a former president or certainly a perspective you know, he is the leading GOP candidate for president. He's probably going to win the primary, um, obviously being prosecuted by his opponent, Joe Biden's Department of Justice. Um, so this is groundbreaking stuff. And you would think if she is going to impose this, that it would be a very lengthy, carefully thought out with case law, et cetera, motion. It's about as flimsy as you get. So the so the question is, is she doing this for headlines? She definitely loves the spotlight. Um, knowing that it's going to be overturned, but who cares? Because it really is a flimsy order, to your point, well, subject to so much scrutiny, not the least of which an appellate court panel would be a three-judge panel who would look at it initially to say, well, who are others and who are reasonably foreseeable witnesses? Yeah, it, That um, seems like a no-brainer to start with. Right. I think that she's doing it to get little Scooby snacks from her little friend group. That's mm -hmm. a, I, I do. I mean, this, I believe she has a fairly um, long history of actually being overturned. Am I right, Julie? You know more about her than I do, but if I recall, she is, um, doesn't have a great record on having her decisions stand. I do have you know to, anything about that. I have to look at that. Um, I'm not sure. I would point to others like Beryl Howell, the chief judge. She's been overturned quite a few times. Here's It's fascinating, though, that Judge Chutkin, again, a foreign-born judge who didn't come here until she was an adult, somehow as a B student in from Jamaica, ended up in Penn Law School, um, worked for the same law firm where Hunter Biden first worked, obviously heavily tied to the Democrats, how these Trump-related cases keep landing on her docket. So not only does she have this case, she had the case of Donald Trump suing the January 6th Select Committee, seeking the production of all of his records um, from like April of 2020 through January 6th. And she allowed it. So she said that the executive privilege protections did not apply to him. And so she really authored this landmark ruling in that matter as well. How this stuff keeps landing up on, on her docket. Also, she just got another Trump-related case. It is the ACLU or someone suing Trump over discrimination against black voters in 2020. That just happened to land on her docket the last week or so. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I am very curious to see how this works its way through the system because this is such a gross, just, it's such a gross violation of just the First Amendment, not even getting into the election interference side of it, just for anybody to be silenced like this um, is outrageous. But now we're getting into having the regime is actually and blatantly silencing their opponent 
their political opponent, which is, of course, like a banana republic. That's a banana republic move. Uh, so I'm very interested to see how this works through the system. And I know you'll keep us updated because you're fabulous. Um, oh, and you do you do you do all this work so we don't have to, you know, going to the courtroom and watching this clown show as it unfolds before your eyes. Just outrageous. Well, here is yes, and thank you. You're so sweet. But um here's what I write, and if people want to check out my Substack Declassified with Julie Kelly, I purchased the transcript of the hearing on Monday, which is a fascinating read if anyone really wants to see or at least read what went down in in this courtroom on Monday, but also just my explanation of how this is a contempt trap. And if it doesn't make it to the appellate court and Supreme Court quick enough, there are so many holes in this order that Jack Smith, let's say Donald Trump Jr. tweets something about Jack Smith. Okay, Jack Smith is a thug. Then he files a motion, contempt of court. He is an other, he's a surrogate. So th- this is a contempt trip, not just for Trump, oh, but everyone 100%. around him. It always so this was. is what they're waiting yep. in the weeds for and what Tanya Chutkin did. And she just has open contempt for Trump's attorney, John Loro, who really, I think, did a, as good of a job as you possibly could in the circumstances. She suggested that he already has violated his conditions of a release particularly Mm, obstructing witnesses and suggesting that his truth social posts about Mark Milley being a traitor, committing treason when he went behind his back and talked to Chinese military officials, um, that that suggested that Mark Milley should be executed. This is her interpretation. So it's not anything based on the law. It's simply her interpretation of these posts, Um, that that is how they're going to lure these people into uh, contempt of court violations, which could result, as they, they talked about the consequences as well, could result in um, home detention, a fine, moving up the trial date, which is hilarious because they're not ready to go to trial, um, or potentially jail time if he is becomes a repeat offender. Oh, yeah, this is 100%. Everything these people do is to set up for, like, future future opportunities to get their enemies. So I think you're totally right on that. It's absolutely a trap. It's to write this order that's so vague, they can use it for whatever they want in any instance, just like they use the laws and sort of pervert the actual spirit of the laws, like let's say parading in the Capitol or interrupting a you know an official proceeding, the way that's been distorted. This too, you have an order, it's nice and vague. It's vague enough so that they can decide you violated it and fit it into their their claim against you, right? They'll be able to twist it into mean, oh, well, you weren't allowed to say that. Um, and I mean, because it's so vague, I mean, what's a surrogate? Do they mean people who are paid? I mean, it it, it it's just a hot mess. I hope that the appellate court takes it up. They should theoretically take it up very quickly because it is such a serious issue. It's a big First Amendment violation. I mean, it's a gross First Amendment violation. So I'm thinking that they should take it up. Now, Julie, let us know what First Amendment groups have supported, you know, this, you know, the appeal. You know, do we have any amicus briefs yes. from our friends over at the ACLU? Are they, is that happening? Have they yes. done it already? Great I bet it's point. already filed, right? Great point. Let me read the list. Hold on. I've got it right here. <laughs> 
I wish we had like a little crickets thing that we could Is that play. the list? Okay, all done. <laughs> okay, thanks for your support, civil libertarians and um, Bill of Rights defenders that you are. And, you know, being there and there were, you know, reporters from every major news organization, you know, Paula Reed is there and um, all the reporters and some of the J6 reporters who I know and, and you know, pretty decent camaraderie with. And nonetheless, that little turd, Glenn Kirshner, um, oh. he was there. So the media rooms are packed. I went in. I like to be in the courtroom because I like to see all the re- reactions and everything. And I don't want to be in a room with the media types. But to see they would they walked out after the ruling. They're like, wow, she was really measured. She was very ma- oh. I really think she tried to balance the First oh. Amendment rights and intimidated, you know, this is, um, I'm like, ah, oh, people are so fucking ridiculous. What a joke. These are reporters, right? I mean, how is, how is disparaging any of the people involved in this going to hurt the trial? You know what I, like, I bet they didn't even make an argument for that because they don't have to, you know, I mean, it, it, normally in a legal, in a legal brief, you are making an argument for your point. You're trying to say, well, we have to silence this person because this is the damage, right? When you do, when you are balancing First Amendment Amendment rights, you you're looking. The court is supposed to look at a balance. Like, is it is it so severe that we do have to limit the First Amendment rights? I bet they didn't even make arguments that because it's, I can't imagine what the argument would be. What would be the argument about why Trump can't say whatever he wants about any of these clowns involved in the process? Do you, um, did they do it, Julie? Do you know? The argument, especially with potential or prospective witnesses, is that it results in threatening or intimidating a witness. Like you think you're okay. First of all, there's no way in hell that Bill Barr or Mark Milley will take the stand during his trial as a government witness. They would never subject themselves to cross-examination by Trump's lawyers about anything, especially the 2020 election. You really think that fat ass traitor Mark Milley's going to take the stand with his uniform with all his fake medals on it and have John <laughs> Loro ask him, why did you call your uh, Chinese military counterpart twice behind the commander in chief's back to make some sort of arrangement that you would notify them if Donald Trump was going to do something against China? And also, Mark Milley, why were you even involved in the events leading up to January 6th? And why then? First of all, it's against the law. It's violation of um, yep. posse comitatus. comitatus. The military comitatus. I'm sorry. I'm on a rant. Comitatus. Um, you cannot, the military cannot be involved in domestic law enforcement operations, which is exactly what he was doing. Furthermore, after January 6th, he classified all of his records about January 6th, so no one can get at them. You really think Mark Milley is going to take the stand, Liz, as a government witness for Jack Smith? and subject himself to what will be a very, obviously, the most watched trial in history and have to explain his actions? You think fat-ass Bill Barr is going to get up there and do the same? William Barr, you said, when you told the AP when you announced that you were shutting down, where were these investigations into election fraud? Can you name them? Because by, I guess it was December 1, he told the AP that he was there was no evidence of election fraud and then announced his resignation. I mean, you, you really think those guys are going to take the stand? It's a joke. No, you're right. And 
and it's not just those guys. It's a lot of people that are going to. I mean, if you want to get into a trial, you're, these witnesses are going to have to be cross-examined. And I think that those witnesses don't want to be cross-examined. I mean, I don't know if the state has the same interests, but certainly the specific Millie and, and Barr, not to mention other people that I'm sure are used in some of the pleadings, do not want to be cross-examined. So there's no that's way. a really good that's a really good point. But but if they if if they don't put these people, I guess they don't have to put the people on the stand because this fix is in, you know, they could put on like, you know, the guy dressed up in a hot dog suit selling Oscar Mayer wieners (laughs) on the corner to talk about Trump and the jury's going to convict him. So for sure, they really this isn't a real trial, like in the sense that there's a jury and they're thoughtful and they're looking at the case and they're like, let me see what the evidence is. No, the fix is in. So they don't really need to have witnesses that support their arguments or support their claims. And they they don't. The prosecution doesn't. And the judge, of course, is is in on it, too. She's horrible. So, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. Again, how, how this plays out, it's going to be very, very interesting. I just hope that we can get this in the appeals process quickly because this is a gross. This doesn't even really have to do with who you're supporting for president. And it doesn't. If you care about the laws and if you care about the laws that you thought were there to protect you, but are in fact now being used to punish you, you should care about this decision. It's not partisan. So very serious. It's also a violation of our rights because as Republican voters and most people have their minds basically made up, but we should be able to continue to hear, you know, what if another Republican presidential candidate starts to make special counsel Jack Smith's investigation a campaign issue. You know, what if Ron DeSantis starts to talk about special counsel Jack Smith and how this is a valid investigation? And recall, Jack Smith has two cases against Donald Trump. The January 6th election, uh, January 6th, 2020 election indictment in Washington, D.C. and the classified documents indictment in Southern Florida. Funny how they didn't go to Judge Aileen Cannon and ask her for a gag order, you'll yeah. notice, because, and we'll talk about how she has uh, punched back at, twice, really, in the past week or so against um, Jack Smith. Funny they didn't go to her and ask for a gag order, isn't it? Because they know well, it would have been laughed out of court. Yeah. But we, nope. So let's say that Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley Mike comes Pence. out and says, Mike Pence, Mike Pence is the hero of J6, so he would, of course, do talk about it because he's such a hero that day. And says Jack Smith has a very strong case against Donald Trump in both Washington, D.C. and in the classified documents case. Donald Trump should not have, you know, and starts reading from the indictments. Donald Trump can't defend himself against that. No, that's another that's another good point. These are all things that have to be taken up in the appeals process. And again, I mean, it really needs to happen quickly because. Trump's civil liberties are being violated right now on a day on every day on a daily basis but yes. for not for being gagged. So I don't know if they can expedite it. Sometimes they can do like expedite stuff if it's in like an emergency, yeah, like an emergency motion. Right. Right. Get an emergency injunction or like a temporary injunction. A well, yeah, they would yeah. probably ask for a stay. Maybe stay it until appeal or something. Um, so you can, you know, get through the actual process. Uh, this is this is a very serious, very, very serious violation. Um, and you're right. It also includes Republicans who, you know, can't 
enjoy the primary process as it was intended, which was an adversarial process among all the candidates where they speak freely about policy differences. And now we're not getting that because, you know, they've got a gag on Trump. And I don't I don't think it's going to work like in the sense that I mean, I don't think it's going to work to turn people against Trump and say, oh, well, he's not talking about these judges anymore. I don't support him. I think this is just another instance of people watching the double standard that is being used, the weaponization of the government against the regime's political enemies. We're we're seeing it right now, real time. And it's well, and it, and it, bad. OK, go on. Go on, my friend. Speaking of double standard, you just you just keep teeing all this up so beautifully. Oh. We need to talk about the Hamas surrection that happened. Oh my gosh! Wednesday. How there were actually two Hamas surrections. One was in the Cannon awesome. Office building, and one was in the U.S. Senate. I just I have to say I love when this happens so much. Any like public like gross display of double standards is I just love it. You know, I, for people to see how differently. People are treated by the government and the rules. So we did. We had a Hamas erection yesterday. As you said, you saw some of it, right? Were you, were you around there? No, I had left. So okay, good. I, I had to head Glad you were safe. Yeah, because democracy was fragile for the for that moment, Julie. Well, um, we had a group of useful idiots. Who it was an attack to, on our democracy, Liz. Yes, they were parading. Okay, they were um, trespassing um, according to imaginary boundaries that had never been articulated or made public. Uh, And they went into the Senate and also into the Congress to uh, chant whatever they chanted. They sat they were sitting in and um, it was fine about the Jews. And uh, yeah, that happened. It was fine. Nobody was arrested. I don't think anyone was arrested. Everything's fine. That's okay. You are allowed to do that if it is the right cause. Yes. If you're tied to actual baby killing, bloodthirsty terrorists, you're permitted to break the law. Yes. It's a Soros group. That was a Soros group. That was a Soros funded group. Global Intifada. Intifada. Yeah, it was the name of one of them. Yeah, that's not the name of the that's the name of their chat group. But they like they have like another name, like Jews for a free Palestine or some shit like that. No one believes. Oh, right. Um, Right. Yeah, they have like a fake name. But it's, of course, against Jews. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) I love that. Jews against Jews. Um, So they, you know, made a scene and got a lot of press and everybody watched kind of shocked that this was permitted Um, And here on Happy Hour, we've pointed out repeatedly how many times Democrat groups and lefty groups have interrupted um, actual official proceedings like Supreme Court nominations or congressional or Senate hearings. You know, Code Pink is notorious for doing that. Uh, That happens regularly. Nothing's wrong. There have repeatedly been sit-ins for climate justice or whatever garbage they're selling that week. That happens. They go into a, a congressperson's or senator's office and they sit in. Again, no big deal, not a problem, just a regular day on Capitol Hill. Um, And so yesterday we had a lot of people. They got into the Capitol building, no problem. And they, you know, chanted their stuff and it was fine. 
not a big deal. Then everybody went home. No arrests. I don't think anyone got arrested. There were arrests, uh, but we don't know for what. And I actually emailed Capitol Police this morning to ask for a list of those individuals arrested and what the charges were. I'm sure um, that's forthcoming. Quickly. Yeah. I'll get a quick reply. Yeah. You'll get that. Can we just get rid of the Capitol Police? Can they possibly do anything right? Like, why do we have them? Hire private security firms to protect the Capitol. These are, they are just complete incompetent clowns. Why would you let hundreds of people into the Cannon office building, then post a, a, a message on Twitter that says they are, you're not allowed to protest or demonstrate in an office building, a Cannon office building? Then why did you let hundreds of people with backpacks clearly have yeah. T-shirts on, identifying themselves as a group? Why did you let them in there? The elevators probably, were shut down. Offices were shut down. Like you, they weren't supposed to be in there doing what they were doing. But yet there they were. I'm sure that they were worried about the First Amendment implications. You see how sometimes the First Amendment is important? Sure. <laughs> so they were probably like, well, you know, we, we it's not a good look to not let these people inside the Capitol. Uh, if we we've stopped them, it's like a first it's a First Amendment problem. So sometimes the First Amendment does matter um, as long as the First Amendment is talking about the things that you're allowed to talk about. So. Right. It, right. So you had hundreds in the Cannon office building protesting. There were confrontations and clashes with police. So people have said, what are some of the similar charges? Well, obviously, parading in the Capitol, what you just said, Liz, is um, a very common misdemeanor slapped against J6ers, which results in prison time. Used to be just a $50 fine. Thank you. Goodbye. Now it's we're going to destroy your life and then we're going to throw it's you in jail. solitary for, confinement. It, yeah, exactly. 60 days, four months, six months. Um, civil disorder, certainly disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, for sure. Interfering, impeding law enforcement, absolutely, because you saw these confrontations. Cops were trying to drag these people out. So those are just a few of the charges that those in the Cannon office building could face. Now, let's go to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Three individuals who started screaming at U.S. senators as they were trying to conduct this hearing about Israel and Hamas. Um, and at one point, I think it was Senator Cardin said, we're not going to allow these protesters to interfere in our hearing. Well, Liz, what I've been told by the Department of Justice is attempting to interfere, impede or obstruct an official proceeding is a felony punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Mm. Well, I'll be curious to see how many people are you know, put in prison for that long. Uh, I'm going to guess get, it's going to be zero. They're Look, they're get, they get bailed out by their um, little lefty groups that raise all this money through their, you know, social justice campaigns. They get bailed out. They get attorneys. If And again, I I, I don't know what these people were arrested for, but I'm guessing it, it it's probably for nothing and the charges will just be dropped. If they even get prosecuted, they're going to get, they're going to get released right away. You know, someone's if there's bails, the bail's going to be posted right away and the charges will probably end up being dropped because who who prosecutes crime in Washington, D.C.? Julie, answer. That who's answer? The prosecutor? And, who's uh, the answer? That would be 
Matthew Graves, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. Now he's, but he's busy, so there's just not going to be enough bandwidth to go after these nope. criminals. He's got bigger fish to fry. So he does. He's still rounding up, um, you know, people Mimas. watching Capitol Mimas. He's still ri- rounding up Mimas every week. There's new arrests, new charges. So blue he, hairs, get them off the streets. Meanwhile, the carjackings and the murders. <clears throat> are skyrocketing here in D.C. Um, but that's, you know, that's okay because he's busy. So, yes, yeah, so we had the Hamas direction. I do want to talk about a story that is close to my heart. Um, I'm sure, I know Julie probably followed this a little bit, but I do want to just talk about our good friend, reporter Ben Collins from NBC News, who um, kind of got busted this week. He, in case you don't know exactly who he is, he is, like I said, he's a reporter for NBC News, but he's not just any reporter, Julie, because he specializes in the coverage of disinformation and extremism and specifically on social media. And so Ben Collins was out there. He was one of the first talking about this horrible strike by Israel on this hospital in Gaza. And um, of course, all of the usual suspects followed suit, right? We've got the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, basically every mainstream media outlet ran with it. Headlines all over. Israel kills 500 people in um, a Gaza hospital. And it turns out that that's false, that it wasn't not Israel at all. It was Islamic Jihad. I think they were um, firing it's all on video. They have the video of where the missile came from. They have the video of the people talking in Gaza about them that about the strike, which didn't even hit the hospital, hit the parking lot. But our friend Ben Collins, um, who was rightly dragged all over Twitter, just literally made fun of, and he should have been, was uh, you know, as a disinformation specialist, was more than eager to take the word of Gaza spokesman for Gaza, who's the one who reported it, even though you know Israel doesn't doesn't target they try not they they don't target hospitals like Hamas does um even though that's kind of out of character he was more than willing to accept the story from a spokesman from Gaza that it was Israel it was a headlines on all the newspapers because it wasn't just Ben Collins it was everybody super excited to report this and as a result there was a lot of violence around in Europe I know a synagogue was firebombed in Germany and some of the useful idiots and midwits that we have here in the U.S. were took to the streets in the big cities. Um, but I just love so much that this disinformation expert was engaging in disinformation dissemination himself. I don't know if you followed that, Julie, but I did. I did get a special tingly feeling up my leg, as Chris <laughs> Matthews once said. I um I I saw uh, obviously the initial reports and then I saw it backtracked and but I didn't realize that the source of this was Ben Collins which Ben yes, Collins is Julie, really this gratifying. Is, he is a reporter but Julie he is also the recipient of the 2023 Walter Cronkite Award for Excellence in Television Whoa. Political Journalism. So this guy if this doesn't speak to the sickness and degrading condition of our credentialed expert class. I don't know what is right. This guy has awards. He's at the prestigious NBC. He's a disinformation expert and literally no fact checking whatsoever. Just immediately we're going to run with the story. 
And you know what? There's a there was a lot of damage from this. There was a lot of you know there, there was, was a lot of violence. Isn't that how Rashida Tlaib incited yes. the Hamas eruption yes. on Wednesday? Yes. By repeating right. that lie. People don't realize that they are being used and manipulated by these, uh, you know, media propagandists, that these media propagandists are advocates for a certain outcome and that they are not giving you the straight information. They are basically gaslighting you and the idiots are more than happy to take it and to accept the information that they're getting because it kind of confirms the belief they've already been conditioned to accept. So, yeah, um, and there's going to be more of this with the war because, in general, the media is very anti-Israel. So, and they, I mean, has the media been talking about the hostages? There are Americans who are held hostage in Gaza right now. Where are the stories on that? Where are they? None. Americans. Americans were killed. I think 30 is the current um, number. 30 Americans were killed by Hamas in this terrorist attack. Where is the outrage? Where is the outrage? There's no stories on it. There we're isn't. just talking about we've got a ceasefire. We've got to walk it back. We don't want to say anything that might anger anger anybody. You know, we don't want to make them upset so that they do some more bombings. Um, it's it's disgusting. And Biden actually has a real crisis on his hands. And of course, I think they're covering for him by hiding this. You know, by not highlighting the fact that there are hostages. I mean, the last time there were hostages like this, it was Iran. Again, back in the 70s, it was all Carter, right? I mean, right. we're, I mean, you could probably say Joe Biden is the Jimmy Carter of 2020s. I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that works? Um, let's roll with it because he was a total embarrassment the last oh. few days. He went to Israel. Um, you know, you could see Benjamin Netanyahu just watching him in complete horror as he was trying to mumble through some notes yep. he had on index cards. But then, um, not the presser, what do they call it? Gaggle on the, oh, the gaggle on, Air when they gaggled on the plane. On Air Force One. If anyone wants to laugh, um, we did the Hello Darkness, My Old Friend meme, video meme with Tony Blinken. Because oh. Tony Blinken... <laughs> is behind Joe Biden on Air Force One is he, God knows, I don't even know what he's talking about. And Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State, is behind him. I don't know if he's in like a closet or he's in the bathroom. It's like some <laughs> little enclave. And the look on his face is just totally priceless. So if anyone wants to laugh, go to my um, Twitter and check it out. It's hilarious. You know, Biden was on six, did a 60 Minutes interview. I think it was like a week and a half ago or something. And they they had a disclaimer on it at the beginning saying like Biden's 81 and he's like really tired or something. <laughs> did you hear, did oh you hear about that? I think it was Scott Pelley, right? And he was like, even though 81 and visibly, you know, after an exhausting week, <laughs> an exhausting week in the White House, everyone's like, and then they were posting his schedule. It's like, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Briefing but at 11. That's it. If you want to know what Joe Biden's schedule is, you can just read Morning Greatness every morning because I put it in there. So I know exactly what his schedule is. And the idea that this guy is overworked is a freaking joke. I mean, basically, he has two things on his schedule every day. One of them is he gets the presidential daily brief. And usually that's it. And then it's somewhere where he's speaking, like he's giving a speech somewhere. 
Oh, he's giving a speech Thursday night, too. He's giving a speech. I don't know when we're going to post this. He's giving a speech tonight. He's giving a speech at 5 o'clock. He's going to talk about Israel and the Ukraine. Because they're trying to tie the the Israel money to Ukraine money. Because they know that the conservatives do not want Ukraine money to keep going to the Ukraine. And honestly... We don't need to even give Israel money. We just need to sell them weapons. We don't need to send troops over there. Let Israel no. handle it. You know, if right. they need something, sell it to them. That's all that we need to do for Israel. We do not need troops. We do not need anything else. That's what we need to do. But people and people do support selling weapons to Israel. They do not support this bullshit going on in the Ukraine, which is, you know, a proxy yeah. state for the U.S. and basically a giant welfare operation for all the contractors that are going to have to go in there and, uh, you know, build up the Ukraine after Russia destroys it. Um, and the Ukraine, of course, is not winning. We were told they're winning, but they're not winning. Um, there's probably 100,000 people have been killed over there, I think. So this is a terrible mess. But that's what Biden's trying to do. They're going to try and link the aid to the Ukraine with aid to Israel. Um, and that should not happen. Um, also recently happened um right before we started taping our podcast, which is Thursday afternoon, um, Jim Jordan announced that he will not be running. He will not be going for a third time as Speaker of the House. He's trying to, he lost the first two times um, in a vote. He, they need 217. And um, he just said he's not going to do a third time. And he's going to support an interim Speaker of the House, which is uh, McHenry, who's from North Carolina. He's horrible. Um, this is very bad. Very, very bad. Um, and I don't really have anything else to say. I'm very disappointed in Jim Jordan. And um, I also want to say to Matt Gates, you know, did you think about how this was going to play out? You know, and no argument for me getting rid of McCarthy. All right. No argument right. on that. We're not going to that. That's a given. But you do have to, like, think a couple moves ahead. Right. You can't just blow it up for the sake of blowing it up because. It's always possible to get someone worse. And I think we're going to get in a worse position, to be honest with you. But you should have thought about once we get rid of McCarthy, who's going to replace him and who is the person that can and how do you get the votes for that before you actually kicked out McCarthy? So, I mean, I'm a little annoyed about that. But this is the Republicans, you know, I mean, these are their defeat mechanism, right? The purpose of these Republican establishment is to keep the status quo going. There's just enough of them. I mean, we all know our favorite people. We see them on TV or if we watch TV. Um, But, you know, we see their video clips. We see them at hearings. We have our favorites. There are 435 motherfuckers in the Congress. And most of them suck. So, yes. So the idea that you can pick out a couple. Oh, I like Chip Roy. Okay, great. But you know what? There's also 434 other ones. And they're terrible. So most of them are terrible. So... There are the defeat mechanism to make sure that the stat for the status quo. And this is why you didn't see any of them put their dick on the line for the J6ers or for any of these like really critical issues that have been coming up or to even make a move to stop something before it happens. They are cowards. So this McHenry thing is bad. I'm letting you know ahead of time. This is bad. And they were some of the Republicans were even trying to make a deal with the Democrats, because, again, you need 217. The GOP has like a five seat majority. So you only need five of these motherfuckers to go vote for the Democrats to put someone in. I mean, that's how precarious it is. So in a way, what Matt Gates did was really reckless. You know, I don't like to shoot elephants. 
you know, here on someone who's generally kind of good, does some good stuff. Right. Just more right. Than most of them. I don't like doing it. But honestly, did you think about what would happen? And the answer is obviously no. So and no. I am worried. I don't know if he's going to change committee chairs. You know, we had some we have some good committee chairs. We have the weaponization committee. Have you noticed that the Joe Biden impeachment stuff is stopped? Not that that was actually doing anything anyway. It was failed right. theater, but, you know, that stopped um, all these committee chairs. What's going to happen to James Comer? Is he going to keep his committee chair? Jordan's on judiciary. Is he I don't know how angry these people are. Are they going to strip him of that? I mean, again, did you think what would happen? And I think the answer is no. So I think the answer clearly is no. Right. It's clearly no. And I mean, Matt Gates said it as much after the vote. Said, OK, well, what's your plan? Who are you going to replace him with? He's like, well, I don't know. That's not my problem. Yeah, um, well, it is. your it. Right. Well, it, it depends on what your end game is. You know, what's your end game? Maybe it isn't his problem. You know, people say he wants to run for governor of Florida, which I hope he doesn't. But, um, you know, maybe that's his end game. And, you know, again, Matt Gates, he's a good, good Yes, he's good, been good self promoter. He's a good self promoter. Yeah. Oh yeah. So if right. you want headlines, maybe that's what your end game is. But this has always been the problem when trying to change the leadership of the House of Representatives. Many of these efforts I've been intimately involved with. The problem is who do you replace them with, and how do you get the votes to do it, especially with such a slim margin of 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 a of a majority that the House has. This is why people always got mad at Boehner, about Boehner being kept in there. And, you know, I may or may not have had something to do with him leaving. What I'm not going to talk about that. But the problem is always who is going to replace this person and how do you get them in? And are they any good? It's always a question of be careful what you wish for. So you can't just burn shit down for its own sake. Because there are consequences. And the Republican Party is not like the Democrat Party. The Democrats stick together. They do. Yep. They ne- you, you never hear them criticize each other, no matter how insane, batshit insane one of those lunatics is going off half cocked. You do not see the media go ask like a, quote, moderate Democrat that's in a purple district and say, hey, what do you think about this lunatic? You know, what do you think about Rashida Tlaib? Nobody does that. Nobody puts them on on the spot. And if I were to call up or Julie or anybody, let's say someone at the Daily Caller, they just don't answer. Right. We, we they don't play. So they always have a unified front. The Republicans, not so much, not so much, because there's a handful of people fighting against the establishment whose interest is maintaining the status quo at all costs. And they're more than happy to be in the minority as long as they are still a congressperson with their stupid little pin. So. That's my two minutes of hate. Whoa, I love it. That was really gratifying. <laughs> no, it deservedly so. But listen, McCarthy did create this. I mean, Matt Gates probably that was this was not a well thought out political move. But if McCarthy would have won more than five picked up yeah. how many well, what did it end up being? They how many I mean they add they got the majority of five seats, but I can't recall exactly. They were supposed to to pick up dozens of seats, right? And he ended up barely winning a majority in the House. If he would have had a 20, 30, 40 seat majority, none of this would have happened. Also, Kevin McCarthy, I think his biggest failure was supporting Ukraine. I mean, walking around with that Ukraine pin and embracing Zelensky when the base from the very beginning was against that. And then rumors that the CR 
was only just this temporary stopgap measure that he had some kind of agreement with the Biden White House, which the Biden White House did confirm um, that more Ukraine funding was going to be included in in the follow up, whatever CR omnibus, whatever the, or the 12 spending individual spending packages. So no one trusted him at that point. And I, of course, I'm I'm biased on this issue. But I think one reason the base has revolted against him is really foot dragging on January 6th, failing to release all of the video, not forming a January 6th committee. You bring up the weaponization committee, Liz, they haven't even had a hearing since July. Right. So, I mean, Jim Jordan's done some good work, but look, he's also has plenty of unfulfilled promises on his end as well. So what happened to that weaponization committee? We were told this was going to be the next church committee. And aside from one hearing that had the FBI whistleblowers talking about how the FBI was using January 6th and forcing them to inflate numbers for domestic terror data, et cetera, they didn't have anything close to the January 6th select committee, let alone a church committee. I think they've had five hearings. Church's fried chicken committee. Like that's (laughs) what they meant or something. Um, If you know that. Now that I would be, I'd be down with that too. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there were a lot of failed promises. I think the most immediate one that really pissed people off was the omnibus, that he had the opportunity, I believe even yeah. promised, that we were going to do appropriations as we should. That is, again, when, when I talk about maintaining the status quo, I am talking specifically about regular order. And that is what he's supposed to do. They are supposed to do the appropriations, 12 appropriations bill, which allocates money to the agencies. This is literally the only check that Congress has on the executive branch. And McCarthy just spiked it. You know, he just didn't do anything. He didn't do it. And that's all the oversight that we have is to cut off the money to these rogue agencies. And McCarthy didn't do it. And, and Liz, I think- where were the where were the using the Holman rule? Where's where oh, yeah, we heard about that. Where'd that go? Nothing. Nowhere. Where is the bill to eliminate all funding for Matthew Graves's office? Not That's only right. because he's prosecuting January 6th, but as soon as you found out that he torpedoed and buried, refused to charge Hunter Biden for his tax crimes in D.C. in 2014 and 2015. Where was the bill to cut off funding for that? That's a no brainer. Where's the bill to cut off funding for the Washington FBI field office or at least cut the FBI funding in half. Well, the let Holman alone rule, the Department it, it, of Justice. They've done nothing with that. The Holman rule is where they can line item out a salary, right? So you could just Holman rule like Christopher Ray. You'd be like, okay, we're cut, we're giving you zero for. Or you literally line item a budget out of the budget. So did you they just do cut that, a salary? Did they do that once in ten months? They didn't do any months. This is how you know these people are not serious. They are not serious because ask yourself this, would the Democrats do it? And they 100% would do it unapologetically. Just compare the J6 production they put on with their dog and pony show on prime time when they were when they had the house. Republicans have the house. What's going on? It's like this guy, these people are on the back of milk cartons. Where's the committee? Put them on the back of a milk carton. No one's seen them. They don't <laughs> do anything. This is what I mean. And we mean because I know Julie agrees with me. This is what we mean about perpetuating the status quo, that there is they have an interest in keeping things exactly as they are. And that is why nothing gets done. Everything is failure theater. So I am in no way apologizing for Kevin McCarthy. He deserved he deserved what he got. However, that isn't the way you conduct politics in practice. 
you have to have a there's a chess game going on. You have to know what the next five moves are going to be before you make your first move. So totally very agree. disappointing. We're in a disappointing all around. The, the, yep. the, the election last November when they should have picked up another 40, 50 seats a failure by Kevin McCarthy and the entire party. They had tons of money. They had so much momentum. You're dealing with a failed presidency, failed Democrat. I mean, so starting with that, then you get the majority. It's a slim majority, but still you act, you don't act like you have a slim majority, right? You act like you have a hundred seat majority and you just go in there fucking scorched earth and you just start slashing people's budgets. You line item people out. How about we um, ground Christopher Ray's private jet? Yeah, get his that plane. So hard that guy do? has a private jet. Get that no, jet away from him. How about we ground our own jet that he uses? Yeah, yeah. What did they do? I, I mean, I think James Comer has actually done really, I mean, really decent work on the Biden family crime racket. Yeah. Um. Where's the impeachment of Merrick Garland? Where's the impeachment yep. of Christopher Ray or Matthew Graves? Where's the impeachment of one of these fucking federal judges? Yep. They Nothing. Do this Nothing. Is, this is, I just wonder, I wish more people would wake up to what is going on here. I, I, I really do. I don't well, know how much why, work it has to get. get that, but This is why Trump is leading, right? This is why he's leading by 50 points because so many people have such frustration not so much with the Biden regime, obviously, but with our own party. And I mean, he obviously we know this. He made a lot of mistakes in, during his presidency. Um, but at this point, I think people justifiably see him as our only hope to get things done in Washington that House Republicans, certainly the useless Senate um, and this bureaucrat, the, the bureaucrats in Washington, just he seems like the only option. The only hope. Well, it's really the ultimate. It's really the ultimate and only outlet for protest, right? Against the status quo, is to vote that's right. Trump. That's right. That's right. That's all, all we've got. That you, yep. you can do, and that's not illegal yet, but <laughs> it could be illegal soon. But, we don't know. But we Tanya don't know. Chutkin has yep. many more <laughs> orders to write, and she could make it illegal for you to vote for Trump. But why? And why not? You know, like just go balls deep. Lady, you know what I mean? If you're just, just like to write these just, big orders, why not? why not just say it's illegal to vote for him? Why not? <laughs> what have you got to lose? Don't so, put it past Anyway, them. that's our hour, Julie. Is there anything else Real, we want to talk about before? Yes, really quick before we finish. And I think we hit all the subjects today and, and did so just expertly and and so thoroughly and with great humor, as we like to do, and profanity. Yeah, we do. Um, next week is the premiere of Police State, which is the film produced by Dinesh D'Souza, which talks about a lot of what we just discussed here. And that is the weaponization of federal agencies, especially DOJ and FBI. I am interviewed in the film. I've contributed uh, research to the film. So if you go to Police State website, you can look at the theaters where the film will be available in select theaters next Monday, the 23rd, Wednesday, the 25th. Then there's a virtual premiere we can talk about next week, the 27th. It'll be available on Rumble next weekend, I believe, and then on streaming services. But it's so well done. Nick Searcy, uh, who's hilarious, he plays – it's kind of like a docudrama. He plays uh -huh. the uh, – 
FBI director, and it's just it it's really well done. So I would encourage people uh, to go online this weekend, check out a theater near you, grab a bunch of your friends, buy tickets, and go see the film next Monday and Wednesday. All right, awesome. Well, thanks for listening to our hour of power here, right? Um, we'll Julia, are we gonna be back next week? We will. All right, we're gonna be here next week. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Have a wonderful weekend with your family. Don't think about this shit. Just get off the internet. Have a relaxing weekend. And tune in. Go carve next some week. Pump- pumpkins. Yes, go go get some pumpkins. Get some Halloween candy. Just try and forget about this crap. And but don't forget to come back and listen to us next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.